prosperity without the demand of commitment is death. When a person reaches out and God blesses and they forget the God who gave them everything, you get in trouble. And one of the things that's happened is over uh, the idea that um, somehow Christians are a cut above everyone else in the sense of um, all that went before have less. And if you turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 14, I just want to share something with you. Uh, it might shock you a bit, so um, I don't mind shocking people. You don't have to apologize for the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, however, uh, because the Gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Uh, and I believe in the power of the gospel. Not the power of psyching someone out. Not the power of auto-suggestion. A lot of people say, you know, it's in the mind. You know, healing's in the mind. I notice the BBC, too, are, are going to run a, a program on whether prayer helps people. And... Um, They've, um, I, they did a double-blind test uh, somehow. I don't know how um, you could, a Christian could do it, but they did, where they prayed for some people and they didn't pray for other people. Um, looking, I can't see. Dr. Matar, where is he? Oh, there he is. Who did that? A number of universities did it. One in Israel and the other in America. Uh, well... Uh, and they discovered that it worked. Prayer works. Come, come out here. You better explain it. Come on. You know, uh, doctors are useful for something. Go on, explain it. Well, they 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 selected the patients without letting the patients know who was being prayed for. So there was no power of suggestion at all. And what they showed is that those that were prayed for actually recovered much more quickly. They use this even in the ITU setting. And in patients who were quite ill in the intensive care, they came out much quicker than those that hadn't been prayed for. Now, that's a doctor speaking. Uh, that's from America and, and, and Israel. Israel. And you believe in miracles? I do, yes. Uh, that's good. Do you know that there's a surgeon who decided he'd do a test, and he did it on people that he operated on, and he kept talking to them, and he had a recording saying, you're going to get better, everything's going to go well, while they were under anesthetic. And with another group, he just played classical music. And uh, what happened is, all the people he played classical music for took up the violin. No, they didn't. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that was a joke. All the people he played classical music for, uh, they took longer to get better than the people who he had. He was speaking to them and saying, what I'm doing, it's going to heal over. You're going to be better. You're going to recover very quickly. And strangely enough, everyone that had that, even though they were under anesthetic, they recovered quicker. I haven't heard that. But yeah, it, my wife was telling me about it. I think it was, or someone was. Um, 
Uh, and it was, it, it was a surgeon who did it, Christian surgeon, just to see. You know, if you believe, it does affect you, doesn't it? If you have a positive attitude to things. There's some people who are miserable, aren't there? There are, yes. And your surgery won't help. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you could kind of help them to smile. With... Yes, of course, yes. <laughs> but but it, you, can't, <laughs> you can't do anything about miserable people. Turn to the person next to you and say, I hope he's not talking about you, you know. It's a, it's, you know there are miserable people. Uh, and misery makes you ill. Oh, yes, it does. There's no doubt about that, yes. If you're miserable, you get ill. Very quickly. And you stay ill. And you stay ill. Uh, and you stay ill because it's in the mind. You know, strongholds of Satan are in the mind. And you can actually believe more in sickness and disease than you can in God. That is possible, yes. And, and that is where the problem comes in. And when you get people and you begin to confront them, they don't like it. Uh, there's a lot of disease which is, I say, 60%, 70% psychosomatic and 40 or 30% it, it, there's something wrong. That's true, that's true. And people die because they choose death. That's done, can be done, yes. You find them in hospitals when they're miserable and they give up, they die. They do, yes. The will to live is what keeps people going. So the best thing to do is if you're going to die, die standing up. Don't lie down. You know, there's some people who lie down, they give up. Terrible thing to give up on life. That is true. You want people not to. Absolutely. Wake up. <laughs> Glory to God. That's a good surgeon. Give him a big hand. <laughs> you know, let me tell you a deception that came into the church. You'll find it in John's Gospel. In chapter 14 and verse 12. It says this. Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And if you read in the NIV, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And in the New Living Translation, it's the truth is, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with my Father. And there are many today who, who say, well, there's going to be latter-day apostles who are going to do greater works uh, than Jesus. Now, I want to say one thing about scripture. If you take a verse out of context, you'll make a pretext. If you take something out of context in which it was said, and a lot of errors in, in biblical things, because people take a verse out of context, add it to a couple of other verses, and then string the lot together and make a doctrine. There's people who, who believe we're going to take over. Uh, there's one group in America that believe that uh, we're actually going to cast the devil into hell because 
we have to do it because God's not up to the job, I suppose. There's another group who say, well, God can't do in the earth what he wants to do because Christians haven't prayed enough, therefore he hasn't got enough power to do it. You, you realize that, you know, that's total ignorance. I mean, the God who created heaven and earth and everything's upheld by the power of his word, hey, if he hasn't got enough power to do something because he needs your prayers, God help us all. And if I'm relying on your prayers or you're relying on mine, we're all in trouble. Amen? Hello? You know, I, I worry when Christians have got such an inflated idea of themselves. And this verse is one that's used to inflate the egos of Christians. Oh, you'll do greater things than Jesus did. Well, if you really believe it, show me. What have you produced that's greater? Let's look at the context of the scripture. I want to look at it. I want you to understand that uh, there's only one King of Kings and Lord of Lords. His name is Jesus. It says in verse 1 of this chapter, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, Show us the Father. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, lots of people talk uh, and they say ah well what what Jesus is what Jesus is talking about here is of course no one got saved until uh, and it's the word that you take that is greater well of course 
if that were true, which it isn't, but if it were true that we were going to do greater works than Jesus, we then would be greater than God. Any volunteers? Uh, it actually means, when you start looking at the Greek and you understand it, what Jesus was talking about was the more abundance of work that you would do because instead of him being incarnate, uh, the Father in Christ, he is incarnate in many, many individuals. He comes within and he lives within and there's a greater abundance of work that is done but you will never do anything greater than Christ. You cannot, because there's only one sin bearer. There's only one who took our diseases. There's only one who took our sufferings, and his name is Jesus. And you will never do a greater work than him. That's the greatest work of all, that God sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life and I want to tell you Jesus bore your sin and my sin and we are not sin bearers we cannot take another man's disease into our own body and take the penalty for uh, that healing might flow it all comes from Jesus so the absurdity of thinking you can do a greater work than God is lunacy God is God and he goes on, and he makes it plain, just so you can understand. Um, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works that he sh than these shall he do. It's more abundant works. The greater works are the more abundant, more numerical. And you will find, if you look in places like um, the... Uh, World Biblical Commentary, they get it right. Um, and there are many other commentaries that get it right. If there was ever a day when we need the miracle power of God to show people that our God's alive, it's today. <laughs> I, I need miracles. And you know, Jesus said, if you can't believe my words, believe my works. Look at the works that I do. If you can't believe me, believe the works. And all the time he pointed out, and he said, look. He said, if you've got a problem, look at the miracles. Now, how can our churches that are bereft, and they come and they want to water everything down and make people believe that any way is all right. You know, God accepts everyone. Well, he doesn't. Universalism is not part of the gospel. You know, sinners have to repent. And that which is wrong is sin. And Jesus Christ died to save his people from their sin. Not from their poor childhood. Not from being abused. Life abuses everyone. Not from their husband or their wife. There's too much excuse sin is sin Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sin and he didn't come to save us from the devil he dealt with the devil 2,000 years ago it's a done deal
poor devil is in trouble. I'm alive in God. You know, this idea that somehow you've got spooks kind of hiding in your wardrobe, ready to grab you if you go your wardrobe and lying under the bed, you know, and there's people that when I went over to Africa, you know, they, they, they stick their bed up high on, on oil cans so the little people can walk underneath. The demons won't get them if their bed's up high. I can't remember what they're called now. Tokoloshi. The Tokoloshi will go, and you'll find the Zulus have their beds way up. You know, if you fall out of bed, you break your neck. But they, they think the Tokoloshi can't get them. If it's a spirit, it won't have any trouble climbing up. But superstition and fear. They're worried. Well, I want to tell you the truth. The devil's frightened of you. My Bible says resist him, he'll flee from you. He knows he's in trouble when there's a Christian around. He had got no room. And when you start speaking the truth and sharing the truth, he's lost. No way he can fight truth. Can't fight it. And that's why you know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Uh, but the scripture before that is, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Condition is, you've got to continue in the word of God. It's not that you just take some scripture and claim it. You've got to live it. And if you live it, truth will set you free. But there's no way a Christian can do a greater work than Christ. But a lot of people get up and make big boasts about what they're going to do. And yet, if you look in the verse, hey, I love this, look. He says, greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Who does the work? Jesus does it. Well, if Jesus is doing it, how can you do something greater than him? Because he's gone back to the Father, he, he said, now, while I was on earth, when I went round, people could touch the hem of my garment and they'd get healed. People could reach in and reach out to me and I'd heal them. People could flock to me, but I was one. But when I go back to my Father, I'm sending forth the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost comes, He's going to make everyone who's truly born from above a living witness to me. And every single one of them will represent me. Now let me make it plain. Not everyone has the gift of miracles. Not everyone speaks in tongues. Not everyone's a prophet. Not everyone has a gift of healing. Not everyone will do things in the church. Because if everyone did everything in the church, you'd have chaos. But everyone is to be a living witness, wherever they are. And outside of the church, I'll tell you this, if you're in a place where someone's sick, outside of the church and you pray for them believing and you share the gospel with them God will do miracles 
He will do them in spite of you, not because of you. In spite of you, not because of you. Uh, God knows you too well. And when you get around and you start this, I'll tell you what happens. Faith goes out the door when you're faced with certain situations. He knows your faith won't do it. But don't worry, he's got sufficient faith to make up for your unbelief. And he will do it. He said, I'll do the work. And that's why it's so good. When you come to a miracle service, it's not dependent on the minister. It's dependent on the one who does the work. Thank God it's Jesus. He said, I'll do it. If you ask the Father in my name, I'll do it. Takes all the responsibility away. Because if he doesn't do it, it's not my fault. I wasn't going to do it anyway. Uh, you know, I, I, I was... Um, in Luke 6, you'll, you'll hear about a man with a withered arm. He walks into the synagogue. First of all, the, the Pharisees in Luke 6, you know, they criticize the disciples walking through the field, plucking ears, ears of corn and grinding them in their hands and, and eating them. And they say, hey, they did that with dirty hands. You know, they should have washed their hands. Uh, so some people think, you know, if you don't wash your hands continuously, you get in trouble. Well, I think you should be clean. should wash your hands before a meal. Uh, I believe in hygiene. But here, here are these disciples, and the religious people really strain. And then he walks into the synagogue few days later and there's a man on a Sabbath day and there's a, a man with, a, with an arm and they all stand and wonder what he's going to do you know it, it's amazing how people find objections to God doing something they, they find a way uh, an objection uh, and you remember he heals the man he says stretch forth your hand immediately his hand was made whole well, uh, that happened to us when we were in Ghana recently. I told you the story, but for visitors who don't know, I, I was preaching. And, and the, the people were singing, uh, and then I got up to preach. And what I didn't know was a woman who was drunk out of her mind, stoned completely, heard the singing, and she was in a bar, and she thought, well, I wonder what that is. And so she started to move towards, I was at the Methodist Cathedral. I was outside, actually, because uh, there were more crowds outside than inside. So we moved to a kind of adjoining hall, and it was open on one side in a big field. And it was crowded, we put up a big television screen, and people just flocked. Uh, uh, because they heard of blind eyes opening, cripples walking. Anyway, this woman was stoned out of her mind, drunk as anything. And she heard the music, so she staggered out of the place and over to the field, and she came. Uh, and I was by that time preaching, and she heard preaching, and what stuck in her mind was I said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him. That's Jesus who believes. You know, don't, don't think it's you that need to do the believing. God knows you won't make it. So he does it for you. 
And this woman stoned out of her mind. And from birth, she'd had a withered arm. And it was all kind of withered up. And never been used. You know, just deformed. And so she heard this and she began to come forward and she thought, hey, you know, cripples are walking, blind eyes are opening, what's wrong with me? So she pushed away the front. And by the time she got to the front, she was completely healed. God restored her arm, her hand, everything. And she would wave in it. So she got up on the platform because she was so excited. She knew... Jesus had healed her. Do you know, she was so drunk that for a religious person, she had no right to get healed. I mean, for someone, they'd say, go home and get sober. But God didn't think that was necessary. You say, well, why didn't God sober her up straight away? Because he didn't. He healed her. Now, I'm not advocating drunkenness before you get to church (laughs) as a way to get a miracle. I want to make that plain before someone says I did. She was completely healed. She was so happy. And there she was. And she sat down in the chair. And I noticed that um, there were... Two uh, uh, of the women, uh, it was a woman's conference I was speaking at, you see. I got invited to speak at a woman's conference. And she was sitting, and there was one on either side, kind of making sure she didn't flop off the chair one way or the other. And she stayed there, and they talked to her. Next morning, she turned up at the cathedral completely sober. Gave her heart to Christ, said, I'll never drink again. Her life was totally changed. You figure it out. God's God. Hey, but what I wanted to say was, you know who did it? Jesus. Jesus did it. You know, God is more concerned with meeting people's needs than Christians. (laughs) Sometimes we're a bit like the Pharisees. We want it all done at the right way, our method. I tell you, God will do what God wants to do because he wants to do it. You say, oh, you know, it should be this way. Oh, if you do it. And there's methodology. People have got their methods. And you have to do this, this, and this, and believe this, this, and this. Well, that drunken old woman, all she heard was what I preached. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him, to Jesus who believes. And she believed everything was possible to him. And she decided that God could do it for her. And by the time she got to the front, drunk as she was, God had done it. Hey, isn't that wonderful? Isn't our Jesus wonderful? I mean, what a God we serve. He don't care about the niceties of things. He don't care if you got it right or wrong. He he's only cares about the, the fact that he wants to bless people. I, I, I find so many people, they've got, they've got their kind of religious formula. Uh, and, you know, you better do it this way. 
You know, that, that's the trouble with religious people. They want to pick on things. You know, the disciples were taking uh, the corn and they, they weren't doing it right. You see, it was Sabbath day. And Jesus went into the temple and he, he always upset them. He did it the wrong way. Now, the religious people and the theologians, they get mad when it's not done their way. But I want to tell you, my God is the God of the unconventional. He doesn't care. He really doesn't. He's too good for that. And why? If he had to jump through your religious hoops, no one would get saved. If he had to do it the right way, why should he? You know, that's why I love Jesus. When he came, he upset everyone. Everything he did got under their skin. I love it. That's why Spurgeon said, if you, you make people either mad or glad, and if you don't do either of those things, don't be a preacher. Because that's it. Confrontation. Huh. I want to shake you out of where you are and let you know there's a God who really is truly God. And he does the work, not me. I, I, I can't do a greater work than him. Miracles happen because of the good news. Hey, Jesus did it 2,000 years ago. You know, he heals the sick. Not because of my prayer, but because of what he did on Calvary's tree. He took your sin into his body on the tree. He died to it. The third day he rose again for your justification. That means it's just as if you never sinned. But it's nothing to do with what you do. It's what he did. And my prayer is not going to make that real. It's real. All I can do is pray in Father's name for you. And God will do a miracle. He'll do a miracle on the basis of what Jesus has already done. He won't do it on the basis of what you do or I do. He does the work. <laughs> it's Jesus. I'm not a miracle worker. He is. You know, you need to grow up. You need to get yourself small in your own eyes so you can see who is the one at work. It's Jesus. He heals the brokenhearted. He sets the prisoner free. He does the work. He's good. I mean, why did he heal that drunken woman? I mean, it's disgusting. There were loads of Christians came who didn't get healed, and yet this drunk comes in. Because he's sovereign. He'll do what he wants to do. That's what's so wonderful. I love it. I love a God who's totally unconventional. Do you know God saved me? Now that's unconventional. I went to prove he didn't exist. Now if ever there was a stupid thing, I was a policeman, I went to, to a meeting to prove that God didn't exist. That was my sole purpose in being there. I didn't seek him. He found me. 
He must have laughed so much in heaven when I arrived there. <laughs> you know, the only way he could get me to that meeting was to get me to think I was smart enough to prove he didn't exist. And he saved me in spite of my wrong motives. He doesn't care. My God is the sovereign God. I, I, I don't know why you come tonight. I, I don't care. Because if you told me, I might think you didn't qualify. Say, so look, it's God who does it, not you. He don't need you to be religious or spiritual. He's spirit. He can cope. He doesn't need you to be fanatical. He's normal. You know, I, I, I believe in the reality of the right Jesus. Eh? Have the Jesus Christ who's holy and pure, full of righteousness. don't want to follow something because it's a gimmick trotted around the world. You want to follow the living God who's true. A lot of people get caught up in gimmicks. God wants to do something, let him do it. He does the work. Amen? Let's be real. Don't get all this idea of drama. Jesus came to heal the sick. 2,000 years ago, he took your diseases, your sicknesses into his own body. By his stripes, you are healed. Hey, it's part of redemption, part of cross, part of Calvary. And Jesus does the work. The only reason we do more than he did is because there are more of us and throughout the last 2,000 years, there have been a lot of people gone out and preached the gospel, and a lot of people have got healed, and a lot of people have got saved, and a lot of people have got delivered. Uh, and that's more than he did. But when you think, if all that he did was recorded, there wouldn't be enough books to write on it. That's what John the Apostle said. And do you know there's not enough room to write all the wonderful things that he's done through his ministers he's a good God <laughs> and he does things like heals the drunk and then saves them he's good God is good all the time I love him I really do and I want to tell you, tonight if you come specially for prayer, came to the right place. But it's not my prayer you need. You know, Jesus never told me to pray for you, he told me to heal. That's it. Didn't tell me to do, you know, there's a lot of people, they spend hours praying for people. I don't, you know, get a short prayer. I remember going into a hospital one day, Roman Catholic woman, her son was dying, they said he'd be dead in an hour. I went there and I, I, I drove, it took my wife and I probably an hour and three quarters to get there. And they said the child would be dead in an hour. 
And when I got there, the child was on a life support machine, and the doctors were all standing around. And so I just took the child in my arms and said, Sam, Jesus says, live, now live. Just gave him back to the mother and said he'd be fine, and left. She told me, a year later, she said, I couldn't believe that you were in and out so quick. I, I thought you'd say some long prayer. You only pray long prayers when you have no belief. And you hope by the time you end, something will have happened. That's why you pray a long time. That's why some people pray without ceasing. They're so frightened God will do nothing, they keep praying. They're what I call God botherers. They bother God the whole time over the same thing. God can hear. He's not deaf. You know, he doesn't need... The, the, there's a thing. If you have a dog and you're training a dog and you say, sit, you should only say it once and the dog should obey. But you listen to some people trying to control their dog and it's though they've got a stutter. Sit, 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 sit. Dog thinks, which one shall I obey? Uh, I... You have no authority. God wants us to realize, hey, he says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. He's not deaf. He's not got a hearing aid. He's not sitting in heaven saying, hey, son, what'd you say? Pardon? Didn't hear. Oi, would you repeat it? Just ask, and he does. All right? Now, he'll either do a miracle or he'll heal. I, I had over in, um, where was I? Belgium. This man came in and he got saved. It, it had uh, three, uh, whatever it is, your discs do when they burst. Prolapsed, is it? Prolapsed, relapsed, disc or whatever. Anyway, they had three operations. And he was in agony all the time. Uh, and he was a, a driver, lorry driver. And he came in in agony. And so he came out and got saved. And when he got saved, I just prayed for him. And, and he was instantly healed. He was so delighted. And his mother came and she was going in for an operation two days later to have a pacemaker. A week later to have a pacemaker put in her heart. And so I prayed for her too. In fact, I prayed for her first because the, fellow, the coach, the bus driver, lorry driver had, had um, bought her because she was got the heart trouble and they thought she might die and they were worried about it so I prayed for her first and then asked them what they wanted and uh, asked them whether they were safe so I challenged them see they came out with their, their mother and so that's one way to get people and then I prayed and that was dealt with. Bang, done. And do you know the amazing thing? She went home and she went in the hospital and when they got in the hospital, they didn't fit a pacemaker because she was completely healed. Now she didn't know she was healed. The, 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 the lorry driver knew because all the pain went and he could bend, he could jump, he could run. She was healed. And they never fitted the pacemaker. She didn't need one. Now that's our God. 
Don't ever get the idea that some great, you know, when he does it, he's done. And if he doesn't do it, he hasn't done it. And it stands up to medical scrutiny. Can't deny it. The doctors said, hey, we, no point in operating, there's nothing wrong with you, your heart's perfect. That's a good God, isn't it? I always say, if you're on medication, keep on your medication till the doctor says, come off it. You know, if God's done a miracle, it'll stand up to medical scrutiny. Don't be foolish. I believe in medicine. Thank God for doctors. And, you know, the people who haven't got anything else, they need a doctor. And if God doesn't intervene, get the best doctor you can. Fight disease with everything. Don't think, oh, you know, it's against faith to go to medicine. No, it's not. God gave us medicine. Thank God for it. It's the most valuable gift. And fight for life. Always fight for life. Don't ever give up. You fight for every more. Life's precious. I fight for life. Because I believe in life. I want to live. Jesus came to give me life. And life more abundant. Amen? Don't ever give in. And I say, if you're going to die, die standing. Be true to God. Amen? Let's pray. Close your eyes. Don't look around. Father, I thank you that you always hear. Lord Jesus, I just pray for each one who's here. I know your power is here to heal. And I thank you you've already done what you're going to do. Lord, you sent forth your word and healed. And it's true. Thank you, Jesus.